So we're in a series on clearing the clutter. Clear the clutter. Last week we looked at clearing the clutter of the heart. This, this Lenten journey for 40 days headed to the cross with Jesus and in the resurrection with Jesus. Yesterday, last week we looked at the clutter of the heart. And I was so proud of our church. I don't get paid on commission, but the whole church almost responded to say, Lord, create in me a pure heart. How many, how many this week would just raise hands and say, man, the Lord answered that prayer. There was a different, different week this week of just the closeness of his presence. Is, amen. Many hands. This week, I've been thinking um, extensively, I, I want the Lord to clear the clutter of our mind of what we think about church. How, how many believe that many have opinions about church that are not founded in the scriptures? Raise your hand. I think the church is A, B, C, or D. And, and this week, I, 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 as I studied and prepped, and um, you know, I, I, I had 16 pages of notes. To put that in perspective, it takes me about 50 minutes to get through six pages. I've done this long enough to know, okay, it's a six-pager. Okay, hurry up. So I'm like, I close my computer. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Too much. Boom. Prayer walk, out pops four pages. I was so happy. You can ask my wife. I was like, oh, that, that 45-minute prayer walk was worth it. And all of the people of God said, amen. <laughs> and, 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 and this word just began to percolate in my spirit, clearing the clutter of what we think when we think about church. Do we think in this room that Jesus Christ has an opinion about how his church should function? Not a trick question. Do we think Jesus has an opinion about his church? Do you think Jesus might have decent ideas for how we're meant to function together? Do we think Jesus is passionate about his church? Do we think Jesus cares about its shape, its structure, its emphasis, its how many think that maybe you might have some clutter in your thinking when you think about church? I know I do. I know I did. So let's just go right to the text. What does Jesus think about his church or his house? Well, the first episode we see was when he was in a boy. Do you know that Jesus had an opinion even when he was a kid? Help me out, Justin. The clicker stopped working here on my phone. Oh, geez. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. <laughs> Sing it, Robert. This is your chance to shine right now. <laughs> Solo from the balcony. Let's go. Oh, man. You're going to have to lead me, Justin. Sorry. After three days, they found him, Jesus, in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Oh, my goodness. When his parents saw him, they were astonished, amazed, astonished. Come on, I'm going to preach here in a minute. What, do we, what does Jesus think about his house, his church? His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. 
Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? What can we learn from this first episode of what Jesus thinks or how he informs our vision of his house, his church? Number one, he's the one who's amazing. Number two, he has unmatched understanding for all of life. Number three, he's the one we're to be astonished at and our jaws drop before. Number four, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? I put it like this in the notes. Jesus, read it with me. Jesus is the main attraction. Come on, the center of attention and the one to be amazed at. How many know already some of our versions of church, man is the attraction, the style of services that come. How many know Jesus wants to clear that clutter of our thinking about his house? How many want him to clear that clutter? I want him to clear that clutter in me. I want people walking away from here. If you invite them or you've been coming, man, Jesus is amazing. He's astonishing. He's beautiful. He's the main attraction. Amen. And Jesus has to be there. I like that. He has to be there. Mom, why are you looking for me? I I love my father's house. Next episode, look at this. In the temple, John 2, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves. This is very applicable for today's church. That's supposed to be a joke. No one got it. (laughs) Cattle, sheep, and And the money changers seated at their tables, making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Oh my goodness, what do we learn about this? The clutter of our thinking about church and the house that belongs to his father. That Jesus has zeal for his father's house to function and to flow according to his design. I asked you earlier, tongue in cheek, do we think Jesus has an opinion about his house? And I hope we see in this passage, the other gospel writers don't give the detail John does, Jesus makes a whip and a cord and he goes with an agenda to his father's house and he says, clear it of its clutter. My father's house, I have an intention and a design for it to function a certain way. And here's what I want to say, and this is so hard to hear in our transactional sort of individual me, what's in it for me culture, and of which I am prey to as well, so I'm not casting stones, y'all. But what we learn from this episode of Jesus is this, that church, when you think about church, is not primarily a place of transactions, good, and services for religious consumers. Come on, somebody. All of us have made those choices. Just let's all repent together. I go there because, and I'm not, okay, I'm not casting stones because of this program or that or this, but did you know church is not predominantly about the exchange of transaction? Church, according to John 2, next slide, is a place for participation and transformation. Come on. 
the mindset we operate with outside of the Father's house is what's in it for me. Come on. How can I get ahead? The Father's house, he drives out the sheep, the cattle, because it's not about the transactions. It's not about being just a passive, I'm here, what's in it for me? No, no, no. Jesus says, I want to clear your thinking when you think about the, the, my Father's house, my, the church. You have a place to participate, and in your participation, you will be transformed. Hey, man, and we all know this. We all know this. When you move from spectator, consumer to participant, your growth begins to accelerate. Can someone say amen to that? Come on, how many would raise their hand? You say, when I got off the bench and bleachers and got into the field with my local community, that's when growth started taking off in my heart. Man, all of us would say that. All of us would say, when I said yes, when it stopped being about the cattle and the sheep and the money changers and my convenience and I got into the game, man, that's when I started caring, not just about the style of music or preaching, but I started having a vision of the kingdom of God influencing and expanding through this little flock. Okay. It's not a place of transactions and goods and services. Yes, we have a kids program. Yes, we have a youth group. Yes, we have men's and women's. But it's not primarily about that. The Father's house is a place for every person to participate and in so doing to be transformed. And so Jesus is like, clear it. (laughs) I'm very zealous that you do not operate with that mindset in my house. I'll take you any way I can get you. You can come in thinking that, but before long, I'm going to begin to have a conversation with you that, hey, there's a place for you here to step in. Come on. There's a place for you here to participate. And it's not just nodding your head and saying amen to the sermon. You're, you're, a, you're a leader that's in training. You're a person that has a passion and a gift that's needed to express the grace of God for this city and for this region. Yeah. <clears throat> And so Jesus, episode, episode number two, he's zealous for this. And so this next slide, it says this. I mean, th- this is the, what Jesus is thinking. We are chosen people, royal priests, who all come, say all of us come, in response to the invitation to draw near and together offer ourselves to the Father as a living sacrifice because of the unfathomable love and mercy of Jesus. Did you know if all of us came in here as priests, all of us came in here not as, oh, I hope they have my favorite kind of sheep today, cattle, you know, metaphorically speaking. What are they going to do? What's pastor going to bring? And I'm going to try my best to bring something every week. But what if everyone came in with the mindset, I'm coming to offer my all to the Father? You know what would start to happen? What happens when you offer a sacrifice on an altar? The fire falls, baby. Come on. Come on, who wants the fire of God's healing love to fall? That. What if he's like, I want it to, but there's still too many spectators, bystanders, consumers. Man, if you'll begin to enter in, draw near, and say yes to my invite to offer it all, I might just pour out unmatched provision and power that you've only read about that I still want to do in your day. Oh, that's that's good preaching right there. I'm happy. I'm happy. So that was episode number two. 
How many are challenged? A little offended? <laughs> Encouraged? <laughs> What's the next episode? What does Jesus think? What's the clutter? Okay, look, Mark eleven seventeen. Jesus was teaching and saying, is it not written, my house? Wait, I thought it was the Father's house. Oh, so it's the Father and Jesus' house. Uh-oh. I should really listen then to what he thinks about his house. Okay. It's a house of prayer for all the nations. For which nations? Jesus knows that the central expression of his house will be that of prayer. And he quotes, my house will be a house of prayer from Isaiah's prophetic vision from chapter 56. I'm going to read it in its entirety. It's only five verses. It's only four verses. But check this out. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs, who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Okay, to the eunuchs. I'm not going to unpack what's happening in the, but do you understand eunuchs cannot produce sons and daughters that will have an everlasting name? Do we know what a eunuch is? What he's saying is to a people who have no capacity in and of themselves to conceive an everlasting lineage, heritage, and inheritance, when they get into my house, they become people of legacy and generational blessing. I will take them in their, in, their, in their impotence and their inability to conceive life and I will give them a name that will last forever. Oh my goodness. Woo. And the foreigners, verse six, who join themselves to the Lord. Look at that. Who join themselves to the Lord. He's their spouse. You gotta see that. To minister to him. Oh, to love the name of the Lord. And to be his servants, all of these, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it, hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted. Say that with me. Will be accepted on my altar. For my, and here's Jesus' quote. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Okay, we're talking about clearing the clutter. We're talking about, clear, about what does Jesus think about his house, about his church, about his father's house, about his house. How many have ever operated in an us versus them mentality? You don't have to raise your hand because all of us have. How many have ever looked down the, 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 the brow of your nose on someone else's sin and you forgot that you had sin on the inside as well and you thought they don't deserve Come on, who's ever thought they were the judge in the Lord's seat to say, oh, this far and no further? This passage and Jesus in his zeal saying it's for all nations, it's for people you would never have included, but because of my love and grace, they're invited into my house. Don't assume somebody's no, and don't assume just because they're bound in what they're bound in that God's grace can't make a way in their life. <laughs> 
So what is he saying about his house? It says this, that the outcast and the ostracized, the unclean and the unwanted, the bound, broken, and blind, the lame, the least, and the lost, these belong in my Father's house. Don't assume there no. Who's the good news for people you and I would never, through the grid of the flesh, pick, but the Lord says, I've got a place for them in my house. And what does he promise to give them? This is just rapid fire, summary of the passage. An everlasting name. Say that with me. Help me out, Justin. Let's go forward. An everlasting name, better than sons and daughters. Keep going. Access and acceptance in my house. And then ultimately, this last slide, my Father's house of prayer will be for all nations and will result in joy. And who thinks that that joy is infectious? Do you think that the, the Father and the Son want his house to be pulsating with joy? Or is, this, or is grumpiness a spiritual gift? <laughs> or is we're religious, so straighten up. A, a, a posture that's winsome to a broken world under the crippling weight of their sin, wondering if there's a father who loves them, if there's a savior that could get all the way to their pit of brokenness and then bring them into a place of flourishing. Yes, and in that place, there's joy. Oh, man, we're preaching good. I'm happy. All right, what's next? Fourth episode, Matthew 21. Jesus said to them, it is written, you're going to see a familiarity here. My house will be a house of prayer. We got it. But you're making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. What this is saying is this. Under the Levitical law, the ceremonial law, those who were maimed, who were broken in their bodies, who had infectious diseases, those who, even if they didn't have a choice, were riddled with disease because of the sheer holiness of God, they'd be zapped if they got near. But Jesus here is saying, those who once had to live at a distance from my house are now not just welcomed in my house, but they're healed and restored in my house. I thought that one was better than, than y'all are acting. <laughs> Those that once had to live far are now not just welcomed and brought near, they're actually healed and restored. <laughs> and what in the world is den of robbers? Anyone want to know what that is, den of robbers? I'll give you a translation. He's quoting from Jeremiah chapter 7 that under Jeremiah's ministry, people thought as long as they kept doing religious busyness and going to the temple, it didn't really matter how they lived. They were safe because they were in the temple. Come on, am I talking to anyone today? 
When Jesus says you've made it a den of robbers in his day, the brigadans, the, 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 the insurrectionists, the revolutionaries thought if they just hid out in, in, in Herod's you know, massive temple construct, it didn't really matter what their lifestyle was as long as they thought I'm close in the temple, my life doesn't really matter. And Jesus is saying my house is not a den of robbers. Those who live in my house, they're going to be transformed by my grace. How they live how they live will be impacted if they have a vision of the Father whose grace is reigning in the house through the Son. He's saying it's not a den of robbers. You know what else that means? It means that in the Father's house, there's no sideline spectators with folded arms and presumptuous hearts. There's no place in the Father's house for those who think they can just hide out and hole up and who think their life doesn't matter as long as they're in their house. Jesus zealously clears us in this line of thinking. The Father loves us too much for us to believe the lie that how I live doesn't matter. You can come in here in all of your brokenness, but if you stay close to the Father, he will transform your life moment by moment. Again, he'll take you in any state or condition you're in. That's called the grace and mercy of God, but his grace and mercy will transform your life if you submit to his desire for your life. Can I get an amen? All right. What else do we know about the Father's house? Luke 14. Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. The slave said, sir, what you've ordered has been done, but there's still room. Come on, somebody say there's still room. No, that was weak. There's still room. Then the master said to the slave, go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that, read it with me, my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who are invited will taste my dinner. What do we learn about the father's house and what Jesus thinks about his house? Next slide. Jesus wants it filled, filled, filled. Jesus wants it filled. Turn to your neighbor and say, he wants a full house. Come on, turn to your other neighbor and say, he wants a full house. He wants his house full. He's just that good. Come on, who's ever made a meal and you underestimated the amount of participants at that meal and you had a bunch of leftovers. I want you to know the father wants zero leftovers in his eschatological banquet. He wants every chair filled with people. The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, the eunuch, those who are broken and bound. He wants them in his house of prayer. He wants them. He wants them. So what does he say to those who are already in the house? Next slide. Go invite, compel, bring them in. Who does this apply to? Thank you. I was waiting for Jim. I'm just looking right at him. Thank you. It's for everybody. Go invite and compel who in? From every which way and from all walks of life, just get them inside. If you get them close to me through your hospitality, generosity, and invitation, my grace will take care of the rest. Oh, come on. We're talking about clearing the clutter of what we think about when we think about church and God's house. 
All I'm doing is taking these episodes of the gospel when Jesus speaks to what he thinks about his father's house. None of this is rooted in my opinion. This is Jesus' opinion about his house, about his church. And he wants his house full. Come on, how many would say, this week I'm not going to assume somebody's no. I'm not going to assume it. I'm going to invite You know what would happen? Sorry, this is off the record. Hit stop. You don't have to hit stop. What would happen to your heart if next week the the room was doubled because we saw people invite people into the Father's house? You think the pastor's the only one would be happy? All of us would go, oh my gosh, God's on the move, and I got to play in it. I got to participate. All right. So, last question. Where do I find the Father's house now? I mean... Fair question. Where is it? Jesus said, replied to those who love me and obey my teaching, John 14, 23, my father will love them. We will come to them and make our home with them. Wait, where's the father's house? So wait, like, who does this whole message apply to? Just the religious elite, the special forces of the gospel? And you don't believe me yet. Next slide. You're God's field. You're God's building. Who? Paul's writing to the entire church of a city. Don't you know you're, you're, you're God's temple? You're his house. You're the place God's spirit dwells. Next slide. You're being joined together and you're being raised up to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too, who you too, all of you, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, female, rich, poor, broken, bound, happy, all of it. You are all being built into a construct called my house where my spirit not just resides but flows through to broken people. I'm happy. I love, I just thought of that quote from Forrest Gump. That's all I have to say about that. Remember? (laughs) This is the Father's house. Jesus has an opinion and an agenda. What can we now say that the Father and Jesus' house are all about? Is there clutter that needs to be cleared? And you're thinking, I'm a spectator. I couldn't do it. I'm not powerful. I don't have enough. I don't know enough Bible. How, How many know if we brought all of our excuses and things, we write ourselves out of God's story and we laid them at the altar, you think God might want to write a new and true story through you? Oh, we're so close. Can I finish? I'm going to finish. It's too good. I, I need to finish this one. You, yeah, praise God. And it's early. What are you going to do? There's no football. Football season's over. Baseball's not quite started. And playoffs for basketball. Are, and Tiger Woods isn't playing this weekend. So we're good. I'm going to finish. Listen, lean in. Hey, lean in with me right here. I'm going to give you a rapid fire, everything I just said, but now in bullet points that you can screenshot or I can email you later. Because this is a message for now that God wants it to get deep within us. Because he wants everyone to operate in it. Everyone. 
So what is the Father and Jesus' house all about? What's it about? Well, there's a father, so it's about a family. How many would say, I don't predominantly think of the church as a family, but I want to grow, because if there's a father, that means there's a family implied. That means the person next to you in the pew is not just someone that you, hey, nice to see you again on Sunday. They're your spiritual family through the grace of Christ. Why is the sense of family so needed in our day? Do you know we live in an unprecedented day of the fractured, fragmented reality of the nuclear family? Did you know that God actually has provision and a remedy for that? It's called the kingdom family of God. Where those who maybe they didn't get to choose their family of origin or their background story, but when they repent and come into the Father's house, that they have a family of spiritual siblings of every nation, tribe, language, and tongue. That they're not alone. They're not an orphan. And they're not an only child. There are people that God has placed for them to raise them up to their full redemptive potential. It's the Father's house, which means God thinks that his church is predominantly and fundamentally a spiritual family. What does that imply? It means that in a family, a healthy family, I get a sense of identity and inheritance. Come on, this is rapid fire, brother. How many know that the spiritual family of God is the place where to find our identity? I'm a son or daughter of God. Come on. And an inheritance. That the father doesn't just have enough for the guy or girl to my right or left. That there's an inheritance for me in the family. What else? Keep going all the way down. Acceptance and anointing. There's a place that I can belong and there's power for me to raise up to my full potential. Number three, there's love and there's leadership. How many would say we need leadership in our life? We need older brothers and sisters who can help coach us and point us in the way. Because it's a family, there's purpose and there's provision. How many know there is a generation that's waning and dying to know there's something bigger to live for than themselves? Who believes that? Did you know that God's house, God's family has that purpose? And the Father has the provision to get there. Destiny and discipline. We'll skip that one, but we need it in our life. We need it in our life. Next, safety, shelter, security. Did you know that? The Father's house is a place of shelter. It's a, he's a refuge. And then lastly, what does family speak of? Generational blessing and legacy. Come on, how many know that... that Though Barna can read the trends of the church shrinking, how many know we can be a part of reversing the generational trend by becoming in agreement with the Father's house and desire? Come on, how many want to see young and old gathered around the foot of the cross, exalting Jesus, young and old together pursuing his lordship and the expansion of his kingdom in all the earth? What else? Next slide, it's a house. It's the Father's house, which implies 
a connected community. Come on, someone say connected community. Well, what does that mean? These are implied. Just go through all of them. That in the house, there's a high value. Next slide, next slide, next slide. Help me out, brother. All the way to the end. Sorry, I did bullet points. Read them with me. In the house, there's relationships. There are roles. Come on. Responsibilities. Rituals. Rhythms. Routines. Stop. Did you know that all of these things don't just happen to us? They demand our participation. Agree or disagree? That that the role, you mean there's a role in this house for me? You better believe it. You mean there's responsibilities that even if I just come and sit in the pew, yep, there are. Rituals and rhythms and routines in all the right ways, I imply those words. There's things that we do. We're praying people. We're devoted to the word, the lordship of Jesus. There's things that mark our shared life together because we're a connected community. We're not isolated. Hurry up. It's the Father's house. Next slide. Okay, so you know what that means? It doesn't belong to you. And it doesn't belong to me. How many have been around the block to know that most problems in the church, be they splits or bound, is because someone bought the lie that it was their house and we forgot that the ultimate ownership is his. We're stewards, but it's the Father's house. But I mean, no, it's the Father's house. What does he think? It doesn't really matter what you think or what I think. It's what does he think and how can we get an agreement with that? And alignment. We are fellow, read it with me. We are fellow participants and pilgrims on a journey with equal opportunity and access in the grace of Christ. So who owns the house? And then lastly, Seriously, lastly, it's the father's, so family, house, so community that's connected. It's the father's, so he owns it. He's in charge. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, he's in charge. And it's a house of prayer. Say prayer. So what is that all about? Communion, connection, and communication. Why is it a house of prayer? Who, who just feels like, man, I am the best person at prayer in the world? <laughs> who, when they hear about prayer, or we talk about reading your Bible or prayer, you just feel like you're lousy and you're not good at it, and so you might as well not try. Anybody besides me? <laughs> we got a few honest people. So what, do we, what does he mean by prayer? Okay. I'm going to do a whole series on this, so I'm not going to preach on any of these slides, but i got to give them to you. If we just look at the Lord's Prayer, we see what Jesus means by his house being for that. Okay? Rapid fire. So why a house of prayer? This is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, read it with me. Prayer is about relationship with God. In heaven, prayer is about getting God's perspective. Hallowed be your name. Prayer is about worship and consecration. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Prayer is about God's agenda on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is about anticipation and expectation. Give us today our daily bread. Prayer is about provision. 
forgive us our debts. Prayer is about forgiveness. As we also forgiven our debtors, prayer is about reconciliation. And lead us not into temptation. Prayer is about guidance. But deliver us from the evil one. Prayer is about power in warfare. Oh, that's so good. You'll get it. I promise you'll get it. So when he says his house is a house of prayer, Jesus isn't just going, whoop, pray any way you like. How many would say prayer properly understood encompasses the whole shared life of the Father's family of kingdom disciples of Jesus? Do you think Jesus left something out or forgot when he gave us his prayer? Oh, man, that's good stuff right there. Listen, let me just rapid fire. Next slide. We just talked about relationships, perspective, worship, consecration, God's kingdom, agenda, anticipation, expectation, forgiveness, reconciliation, guidance, power, and warfare. What else is there in the Christian life? Trick question. Listen. I know it's late, but you're doing so good, and you can go back to the tape, because this is going to mark a new season for our church. I'm serious, it is. I can't give you more backstory. But when Jesus says, my house is a house of prayer, he implies all of that. All of what? Do you think Jesus knew what he was talking about when he told us what he thinks about his house? How many think there's a little bit of clutter that the Holy Spirit needs to clear in my thinking when I think about his house? And I want him to. I want him to. You know why? Because I want to function and flow in all that Jesus has dreamed and destined and desired for his house. Why? Because if we get into agreement and alignment with that, there's no end to the reach of the gospel through us as we agree with the Father and the Son in the power of the Spirit with what his house is meant to function in. And so after I wrote all that stuff, that was, so that's four pages. One, two, three, four. It was 16 pages, so you can say thank you. And I'll give anyone these for free. I ended with this. The Lord gave this to me. You can say it's cheesy. I don't really care what you say. I care about what you say and who you are, but not really. Not this part. I wrote a family creed. Come on, guys, why are you at this church? There's bigger ones, there's brighter. Guys, God has drawn people here. Look at us. But the Lord wants to break into our lives and out of our lives. There's only a story. When we look back five years from now, he's like, where we just chuckle and giggle and there's joy. Like, no way, God, you did that in us and through us. Us? He's all, yes. All right. So the father has a family creed, and they all start with M. You're welcome. That's how I'm wired. Ready? The motto of our family creed, read it with me, on earth as it is in heaven. Is that a good motto? Come on, every family, you know, families have mottos. The family has got a message, the gospel of the kingdom. 
that through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, humanity is liberated from the power, penalty, and propensity of sin and can live in the power of Jesus' grace, mercy, and a brand new life in the kingdom. This family's creed, we have a meal. His name is Jesus, the bread of life. What else? There's a motivation in this family creed. We love because he loved us first. There's a mission in this family tree. We make disciples of Jesus in the nations. There are means for this family creed called the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's a method that all of these things happen. Every person becoming an ambassador of reconciliation and an agent of restoration in their world in the name of Jesus. This is the Father's house. All right. So stand on your feet. So today we were supposed to have a membership class. I'm really sorry. I'm not sorry at all, <laughs> actually, for going a little bit long. I always cut them short. This one felt too important because the Lord wants to clear house, even in our thinking here, and to get into alignment with what he desires for his house. And here's what I want to do we had a membership class after church, but you just got the best thing I could ever say in a membership class. I mean, it's the best thing. I'm not, I'll give you more if you want to come and talk to me, and I have more, I promise. But listen, if you, if, if something today just said, you know what, I don't get all of his implications, because it was kind of long, but I'm in. I want, I, want, I want to build the Father's house here. I want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. Can you just come forward? I want to pray together. I know we came forward last week, but if you're just like, dude, I'm in, just come on up. I want to end with prayer together as a family right here at the foot. And if not, I'm not looking. I don't think you're not with us, so just get over it. But I just, I'm so committed to calling people into something together. And you don't say, I want to build, I want to build this house together. The Father's house. Maybe you say, Chad, I've got clutter in my thinking about the church that I want him to clear today. I want him to clear. Come on, let's come to his presence right now. Lord, we just thank you right now. Come on, just begin to invite the Holy Spirit to search you and know you. Right where you're at, just say, Lord, clear any clutter, any thinking that's out of sync with the Father's perspective of his house. Any thought that I thought it was about this or that, but that through the power of the word today, we see, man, the Father and the Son have a very specific opinion and idea about their house. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that zeal in your heart would burn over every person in this room. That you are zealous with consuming love for your house. <laughs> it's not anything goes. It's, Lord, we come into agreement and alignment with your zeal and 
agenda and opinion over your house today. So Lord, bring us into agreement. Can you just pray that in your own words? Lord, bring us into agreement as a house. Bring all of our various opinions and pasts and histories, bring them together now unto submission to the lordship and reality of King Jesus. And Father, we cry out, build your house in this location that then through this house you can touch the nations in Jesus' name. Lord, get us into agreement. Let your zealous love burn and consume us, we pray today. We want to be all in. I want to be all in. (laughs) I want to step into this desire you have for your house, Lord. And so for every person that responded, both who came forward and those just checking it out, Lord, there's no outsiders. You have a place for every person. I pray that you would just begin to minister and move by your spirit right now. And can we just lift our hands if you're comfortable or put them on your heart if you're not or just let them be by your side. I don't care. But can we just cry out, just say, Father, Son, make me your house through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. But how many know it's not just personal, it's about a community. So say this with me, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Make us your house. Make us your place of dwelling. Let your presence, your power, your provision, and your kingdom purpose be established in me and flow through me. I'm sorry, flow through us in this hour for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on.